Paddy Power, as much a part of Irish football as celebrating a home draw. The football pod with Paddy and Andy. I signed with the Rad Squad in 2011, that summer. Uh, do you know what like, you hear? I signed at the back of a smoke pack. Roddy, I, w- I would say, is like the Irish Hardy. Download the OTB Sports app and subscribe to the GAA podcast feed now. The OTB Podcast Network with Get Set Go. Quick start car insurance that's ready when you are. Sort your policy anytime online at getsetgo.ie. Andrew, welcome back to Off the Ball Saturday here on News Talk. John Duggan with you through until five. You can text us on 53106. We're streaming the conversation as well now, so as well as listening on News Talk, you can watch us on the Off the Ball social channels for Periscope on Twitter, at Off the Ball, YouTube, Facebook, and on the OTB Sports app. Search OTB Sports in your app store now to download the app if you haven't yet already. Some great stuff on it. This is the Saturday panel. Kind of crept up on us, hasn't it? The Euros, uh, after a postponement of a year, it kicks off next Friday. Italy against Turkey in Rome. 51 games, 11 cities, a Wembley final. No Republic of Ireland, sadly. But we'll all be interested in an excellent tournament which comes around every few years. To get their memories of the finals they were involved in, to look ahead, to maybe give us a winner, uh, we're delighted to be joined by the former Manchester City, Everton and Aston Villa defender Richard Dunn, a veteran of 80 caps in green, a part of Euro 2012 and an OTB regular as well and a part of Euro 2016. David Myler, the former Sunderland Hull and Reading midfielder who lined it 26 times for his country. Richard and David, great to have you on. Hiya, John. Hiya, David. Richie, all right, lads. JD, what's happening? What's the, what's the form? Lads, you good form? Yeah, good. Um, enjoying the sunshine, so it's all nice at the moment. Yeah, it's it's, it's, it's been a, a long fifteen months, isn't it, lads? Um, before we get into the nitty gritty of the Euros and um, your memories and, and your preview of this year's tournament, just to David on on Thursday, Andorra. Um, I kind of feel neutral about it. I was really worried for a long time. Then they flagged. Then we we played well, maybe for the last half hour. Were you encouraged by it? Are you worried? What's your kind of feeling now? Now the dust has settled. Um, I was. In- Certainly encouraged by the last half an hour. Um, it's not good, you know, to go one behind, kind of wake up. I felt the first half was very flat, kind of, you know, lads were kind of just knocking the ball around for the sake of knocking it around with, without any real purpose. Um, a lot of the wingers, certainly say like Troy Parrott, who came very deep to try and get on the ball. He was, you know, he was desperate to make an impact in the first half. And you could see in the second half, once he got the ball higher up, he started to, you know, cause problems where he got his goals from. So really, look, JD, you can look at it, you know, one or two ways. Um, I think the big thing is, look, Stephen needed the win. Um, it's been 11 games, so they've gotten that. Albeit, you know, you want a better performance, of course. It is against, and you know, against Andorra, who aren't particularly good. Um, I think the big thing now is they've gotten that victory. They're going into the Hungary game. If they can put on a performance, then, you know, the previous game will be forgotten about. So I think that's the, you know, the big thing. You just need to get that momentum. They've got the win under their belts. It's massive for, you know, Stephen, the coaching staff, the players, everyone. I'm just hoping that that last 30 minutes will take into the next game and they'll be able to put on a better performance to get a result again. Great for Troy Parrish. Uh, Richard took the game with a scruff of the neck, got a couple of goals. You see the delight in Jason Knight's face when he scored. Daryl Horgan has never let us down. Well, how are you feeling about the direction of the team at the moment? Are you are you encouraged or do you, would you have misgivings? Um. I think a victory is great, you know, it gives them confidence. The run that they've been on over the last however long hasn't been great. So just to get that victory and get that mindset changed where they're going into games and maybe believing that they're going to win. Um, if they can follow up against Hungary with another victory, it'll set them up well. And hopefully it's a change of form and a, a brighter future than what we've seen in the last couple of months. 
maybe it's a ch- time actually to give Troy a bit of a run on the team because we've been uh, all been crying out for a lack of a striker and and it's it's he hasn't had the best of seasons Richard and he's acknowledged that himself but um he's only 19 I suppose we have to remember he's still a young lad yeah um not having a great season is not a bad thing you know especially when you're that young and you're you're but if you're playing every week and you're learning that's what's that's what he's gaining from this season rather than outstanding performances just being on the pitch and learning and finding out how men's football works is will be brilliant for him and I think yeah certainly after scoring two goals he'd be one of the first names on the team sheet and we've thought for a long while that he'd be a player that would break through and, and maybe be someone that we could all hang our hopes on and as we start scoring goals well then maybe he will be and give him as much chance as he can to, to prove himself. What are you looking for then on Tuesday, David? Uh, anybody you like to see in the team that wasn't the other night? It's always very difficult, isn't it? Um, obviously, a lot of confidence from getting you know the result and winning the game. Um, there's a lot of new faces in, you know, in the squad. Of course, look, Stephen's going to want to see them play international football. It's their first, you know, camp. It's whether or not they're up to the level or not, but it's very difficult for him to you know make too many changes. It's like Richie said, and I've said there previously, they've now got that you know, momentum from winning a game. That one's gone off their back. So they want to go in and put in a performance, get a result. I don't want to see him you know, change too much. Later on, you can give lads runouts or whatever. But he kind of had a nice core of a team that you know looked familiar with one another. And the more they kind of play together, they'll get used to one another more. Um, so I definitely wouldn't like to see too much change. But then again, I'm not the manager, so it would be interesting to see what he does do. Absolutely, and we'll talk a bit more about it between three and five with uh, Dan and Shane Keegan. Uh, Richard, uh, the Euros 2012, um, it was a bit of a challenge in Poland. We we faced some amazing teams. Spain initially ended up in the final. I often feel like I, I was a fan on the journey, and I felt that the journey was almost as great as the destination. Did you feel that way as a player? Because uh, we hadn't qualified for a tournament for 10 years. Yeah, it was... Um... It was special to qualify and you obviously go there with all the high hopes of, of making a successful tournament but the truth was that the teams in our group were, were too strong for us and um, I think when you after the first game certainly against Croatia is the one way you, you were hoping to get some points and just didn't go for us on the night or whatever and then from there on it was a, an uphill task so as amazing as it was to qualify and to be part of a Euros campaign the the results is what stays with you and that's sort of what taints the experience but in terms of the fans and how all that went I'm sure it was an amazing trip and the atmosphere in the stadium never never changed the whole time so it was it was a good experience for some probably not for the players though when you were in, in the middle of the qualifiers there was that iron curtain game that people always refer to Richard um when you almost single-handedly kept the Russians out in Moscow and Paul McGrath was lauding you and um do, does that game uh, have fond memories for you do you remember much about it um, I, I do remember it. Obviously, it's um, yeah, it's a good memory. But it's uh, it's hard because I don't tend to look back on individual games and stuff like that. But throughout the throughout the qualifying period, we were a, we were a strong defensive team and we we done really well. So it was disappointing when we got there that we couldn't carry that on. But as I say, it's playing for Ireland's great. So any good memories you try and keep hold of for as long as possible. The jersey had to be replaced, and they had to get a, a pen out and put the number five on it. Yeah, I don't know. Um, I don't know who came up with that idea. It was Alan Kelly, I think, who came out with the marker and started scribbling on it. So, <laughs> but it was it was strange because you got a smack in the face and then try and run back on the pitch to play, and then the refs send you back off because you don't have a number. So, trying to 
work it all out in your head like that is strange. It's only then at the end when I come off and seeing how crap he'd drawn the number five on it. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know what ended up happening to the jersey, Richard? I think it was raffled off for charity. Um, I don't know where or, or which charity, but it, and I gave it away it's on that premise that it would be it would be raffled off. Did you feel it was a bigger deal when you're out of major finals? Because obviously you're involved in the in the squad for the World Cup in 02. Is it a bigger deal when you're in an international tournament or does it just feel like another game? Tournaments are great. Tournament, the whole environment around it is brilliant and you, you can really focus into what you're supposed to be doing. Um, I think when we went to Poland, it seemed to be a really, really long build-up to, to get to to the tournament. We, we were away for, I don't know, three weeks or four weeks or something and dragged out and but once the tournament starts you're watching games you're looking out for results you're preparing for your next match and it's it's a great experience and definitely different than your general 10-day get-together for a qualifier and when it's not going so well in the camp can you still have a laugh or was it tense what was the inner sanctum like at the time um it was all right to be honest i mean we're very disappointed after that first match and you, you realise how big the task is that you, you have to play Spain next but as a footballer I'm sure every game you go into you believe well we can win we can do something here tonight and unfortunately we couldn't we got hammered but it was sort of one of those things where you have to come to a realisation sometimes when you're playing football that teams are better than you and players are better than you and on that occasion certainly Spain and, and Italy were were ahead of us in terms of where they were. If, if I had been two years previous for the World Cup, I think us as individual players, we were all in a better space and in better form then. So it was a, it was a tough one to take, but it's, you try and keep your head up, you keep going and you've still got games to play. So you try and cheer everyone up around the camp rather than sulking around. What is Peak Spain like to play against? Because they were at their zenith of, of quality, weren't they? Yeah, they were unbelievable, and you can't get near them. Basically, when when they were playing and they were moving the ball as quick as they did, it was, it was, yeah, it, it was. It would have been nice to watch if you weren't in the middle of it and getting pulled left, right, and centre. So, it's 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 not a game I've ever watched back, but it's it's a game in, that I remember just on the basis that you never felt like you were in the right position wherever you did. How did you feel, David, as being a player that um, wasn't involved in the first team? Did you uh, have a environment with Martin O'Neill and Roy Keane where everybody is giving uh, an equal contribution or was there an individual frustration around that in 2016? How was your Euro experience? Obviously, the whole, as Richie said, they're going to a major tournament is everything you dream of, obviously, representing your country. I think my, my biggest regret looking back on it was I was more happy to make the 23 than, you know, push for the starting 11. Um, I'd just come off the back of winning the playoffs at Hull. We'd gone to Cork. To, if you remember, we played Belarus where we lost 1-0 and then the squad was announced. And I kind of, I took it for granted. I was kind of like, I'm one of the lads going and I never really, I never, I, I could have done more in training kind of, you know, certainly after the Belgian game when we'd lost, knew the manager was going to make changes. Albeit the midfielders had done well in, you know, Glenn James and Jeff, um, Certainly, we were all a part of it. You know, there was a great camaraderie between our group. Um, everyone was cheering one another on. If you look at, you know, prime example is the Italy game when Robbie scores. All of us kind of run onto the pitch and we're running around. That was that was the beauty of 
you know the squads I was involved in, we were we were all together. It didn't matter. Um, I remember at one one occasion, Martin sent myself and Stephen Quinn out to warm up um, in the last few minutes of the Italy game, and he called us both back. And Quinny got on ahead of me, but I was delighted for Quinny to get on. Um, that was the truth of it. There was no like bitterness. There was none of that really in our squad. And lads were just desperate for one another to do well. And you had moments. You had that moment in Lille, and you also rattled France in that last sixteen game, uh, a country that would go on to win the World Cup a couple of years later. Oh no, definitely. Look, if you look at the, you know, Martin made some big calls after the Belgian game, um, like leaving out John O'Shea. You know, obviously Richie Kyo came in, um, and we went into the France game. And obviously, Longy does what he does best, getting in behind. He gets brought down, and we get a penalty, and you know Brady scores, and you're thinking, here we go. You know, we're, we're about to beat France, and. It's a bit like Richie said there, when you play against the big nations, the Spains, the Italys, the Frances, they do have that bit more bit more quality and you know, they can just stay in games, they can see it through and you know, they created chances and you know, Griezmann gets chances, he scores goals and you know, obviously Duffy getting sent off didn't didn't kinda of help us going out to ten men against France, but all in all, the, the whole experience, the occasions, you know, going to the stadiums, it's it's just unbelievable. It really is. Do you get to let your hair down at all, Richard, during the finals? No, of course not. It's a serious competition, so you have to try and prepare as good as you can. It's, uh, I think when we went away, we, we might have had a night or two where we were allowed to sort of relax and bond and stuff like that. And I think when you're away for four or five weeks, it's it's necessary because you can't be pin, penned up in a, in a hotel all that time. You need to be able to go out and... and have different scenery and stuff like that so and it certainly helps in terms of the team spirit it keeps keeps everyone sort of fresh and, and on their toes and ready to go again Does boredom set in? Is it is it difficult to stave off boredom? Yeah I think it's long days isn't it you, you, you um, wake up in the morning do a bit of training and then you're finished by half 11, 12 and your day is on for up to midnight again so it's, it's long days and trying to occupy yourself and the staff are brilliant because they try and do everything they possibly can, but you just want to play. You just want to be out on the pitch, and it's it's tough sometimes to deal with. But it's part of part and parcel of being in a in a tournament, or even on those international um, qualifiers when you're away for ten days or two weeks. And your experience of that, uh, David? Well, um, as you well know, I'm a gamer, so I was quite fortunate that, you know, in days where we would, you know, tough training sessions, we would stay in the hotel. A lot of us just, you know, were on the PlayStation playing away and would help pass two or three hours. Of course, look, we weren't in Poland. We were in France, so it's, it's a beautiful place. There's a lot of scenery. We were in Paris for a while. You get to go around Paris. I remember myself and Kieran Clark going sightseeing, you know, going to the, the Louvre and the Eiffel Tower and all that and taking photos. So it was nice for that, like in... Martin was very good for it. He knew when to give us downtime and, you know, when he needed to keep us together for, say, meetings or whatever. Um, so that's, that's key because, you know, it is tough. It is difficult. You're away for a long time. You're away from your family. And, of course, it's a major tournament. You know, the whole country's watching you and they're, they're wishing you well in that you can't be out gallivanting, getting up to no good. Were you a golfer, Richard? How did you... Uh, were, you, were, you were you gaming? Um, no. We actually brought a couple of... Um, trophies for golf um, to play a few rounds of golf but we never ended up getting out on the course we just never had time and uh, certainly when we were away in Poland Trapatoni never really didn't really want us doing that sort of stuff he wanted us to relax and rest and stuff like that when when we went to Korea I think 
we had a day out at Disneyland and different things like that. So that broke it up a little bit. But it, it's just trying to find little things. And if you're not a gamer or you're not a golfer or whatever, it's it's just making sure that you're not sat in your room with your feet up, just slowly losing your mind. It's a long time now since uh, Trap left. Um, what was you like to play for? Because it was quite a, a long stint from, from 08 to, to 12 or 13 or 14 with them, Richard. Yeah, he was... Um, he was very tough. He was very strict in, in terms of what he wanted and what he expected from people around the hotel and in training and preparation and stuff like that. But he was, I think he was successful because he was so focused on the detail of, of, of every match. There was a situation where there was a throw-in in the, I think it was the 1984 UEFA Cup final. And it still stood in his mind. He was still talking about it, still going on about it, and making us try and to try and fix it and stuff like that. So he had he had a mindset where the small details will make a big difference. And I think we went a long stage and not 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 conceding any goals, and not conceding any goals from set pieces. And then again, like I said, in the Euros we couldn't couldn't defend set pieces. We were just conceding from all sorts. So we just sort of ran out of steam in the end. Did you feel that charisma in the dressing room because he'd been such a winner at club level? He was brilliant. He was really good and really, he, he could go off in terms of the passion that he had. He just wanted it so badly that he would maybe talk on and on and on. He just wanted you to understand what he wanted from you. But in terms of a, a manager, I thought he was he was brilliant. And I know people didn't love the style of football that they played, but it was successful and it made was a very very difficult team to play against and probably got the most out of what could have been what that group could have yeah and a clear communicator in the dressing room yeah he was obviously a mixture of english and italian but there's no doubt when when you have a man of that experience you understand him you know what he wants and his his gestures and different things like that make you leave you in no doubt that this is your job today and this is what is expected of you. So he's um, he was a really good manager and I think he, he should be really, really, well, I hope he is high, highly respected for what he did. No, absolutely. I think uh, he definitely is, Richard. And uh, Martin O'Neill, a motivator by all accounts, by everything we read and we see, uh, David, was was that the, the, the fly in the wall experience for you? Oh, 100%. Um, you know, the games, if you go back, you know, to the start of that campaign where I played against Germany right back, Martin made me feel as if I was the best right back in the world going into the game. Um, he had an act of getting the best out of lads. Um, you know, people go on, they can talk all they want about tactics and all that, but they don't change too much. He just had an act and a way to get, you know, the best out of lads, whether it be, you know, fellas switching positions or, you know, just just getting more out of them. Um, like, look, I have I couldn't say a bad word about him. Um, I played a lot under him with Ireland. Um, he was brilliant for me. I know a lot of lads do respect him. It's usually the fellas who don't play are usually the ones who have something to say. But a lot of the lads think very highly of Martin and what what we achieved in you know sixteen. Obviously coming up short then in eighteen, but it was it was certainly um, certainly a great manager to work for. And after the France game, it was a narrow defeat. They kind of came away in the end. They, they got a couple of quick goals in the second half. Were you gutted? Were you happy? What was the the feeling afterwards? Oh, I was gutted. Um, sure, like look. Richie will tell you, you know, the wives are trying to, you know, plan holidays and whatever. And my missus had organized a holiday in Portugal. And then I, like, obviously, when we beat Italy, I said, look, I'm not coming for another week there. We're staying here. And I said, I'm, I hope I'm not coming for, you know, two weeks. Um, we were desperate, of course, to, you know, try and go as far as you can. 
obviously you come up against a France squad that was very, very good. Um, you just have to take it on the chin. And we had, the lads had poured everything into the game. You know, on the end of the day, we came up short. But you you look back on it with fond memories. Um, that team inevitably went on to win the World Cup. So you kind of you got to take your hat off to them. 53106, you want a question for Richard Dunn uh, or David Myler here on the Saturday panel. Richard, do you know what's going on with the fans and with the, the fun they're having and the connection with them? Or is it the case that you're in a bubble and only you only see them at the matches? Is Was there much of a, a, a tangible connection with the supporters on these trips? Because they really do make it. They, they really are such a huge part of it. Yeah, they do. And I think, like... David says you have your family there and you have your friends who come over to look for tickets and they'll come up to the hotel to see it and they'll tell you the, the experiences that they're having and how, how the how the whole supporters trip is, is working out for them and it's nice because you want you want them to enjoy themselves, you want them to have a good time and, and it's 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 one of those things when you hear the stories it makes you proud. It makes you prouder to and you want to go out and, and stay and last as long as you possibly can so that their party and their enjoyment continues and having that group of supporters come around everywhere all over the world you can't sort of explain how important and how good it is for the for the team and I think when the team perform on the pitch it's it's a reward for the fans in terms of we're just playing off their spirit and going for it because we know that, that they they will do us proud in, in stadiums in different countries around the world so we try and do the same for them on the pitch You had many mates who went over Richard? Uh, loads of family came over and cousins and friends and everything but y- you see them and they look great on day one but by, by day five they're all a bit so it's <laughs> 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 and, uh, and uh, David did you have many fa- family and friends over in, in France? I did yeah um, obviously my mum dad sister came my wife came over for the, the back end games but then left to go, obviously go on holidays but you know my family were were respectable because you know all eyes would be on my father um he was a senior county hurling manager at the time so i don't think he'd been falling out of bars all my mates came as well and they're just they're sending you texts or pictures from you know the irish fan zone or whatever saying getting the crack over here like the buddy who went over in a camper van from dublin and traveled all the way across like and it's the stories you hear and it's those things like i I was almost envious and jealous that like I never got to experience it that way Um, to kind of jump in a camper van or something and travel across Europe and you know support your country going around um, yeah. it's just unbelievable and then you see like Irish fans got an award in the day after France um, for being the best respected fans and you know, that's what you want to hear isn't it Okay, we've got to take a break. David Myler and Richard Dunn, thanks for sharing your memories of 2012 and 2016. We're going to get your predictions on the Euros as well in the next uh, part of the panel. Listeners out there, were you in Poland? Were you in France in 2012 or 2016? Share your story, share your memories. 53106 here on News Talking Off the Ball. And we're back after the break. Paddy Power, as much a part of Irish football as celebrating a home draw. This is Off the Ball Saturday on News Talk. John Duggan with you through until five. You can text us five three one zero six. Tweet us at Off the Ball. We're back with the Saturday panel. We are looking ahead to the European Championship. Our coverage on our panel this week, thanks to Paddy Power for information on responsible gambling. Visit gamblingcare.ie. Delighted to be joined by Richard Dunn, the former Manchester City, Everton, and Aston Villa defender, a veteran of eighty caps, part of Euro twenty twelve, and OTB regular and a part of Euro twenty sixteen. The former Sunderland Hull and Reading midfielder David Myler, who lined out twenty six times for his country, as well as. 
listening on News Talk, you can watch us on the social and digital channels for Off the Ball, for Periscope on Twitter, at Off the Ball, YouTube, Facebook, and we're also streaming the conversation on the new OTB Sports app. Uh, just before we get into predictions around the Euros, lads, got a text in here on 53106. Can you ask the lads which Irish players they played with had the most talent or ability that we might not have necessarily seen, David? Mm. Wow. Um, I suppose the first two that jumped to my mind are Aidan McGeady and Wes Hoolan. Yeah. Um, Aidan was just so gifted. Um, anytime in training or in a game, if you remember back to the start of that Euro campaign against Georgia Way where he gets the ball, he does that little manoeuvre there. It's renowned as the McGeady spin. Just the stuff he used to do in training and 1v1s in areas, taking fellas on. Um, and then Wes just... You look at him, he signed a new contract at Cambridge for a year and he's 40. Um, it's just unbelievable, you know, the way he used to go about. I know they're not really, I know he's looking for someone outside the box, but they're the kind of two to jump out in your mind. Um, you know, they were they were exceptional players. And Richard, for you, anybody that we might not necessarily have seen that really had the ability and the talent? Um, I'd agree with David, certainly with them two. Um, them two were outstanding and probably... Never got the chance to show it as much as, as I'm sure they wanted to on the international stage. And another one who sort of falls into that bracket would be Stephen Ireland. I think when you you see him in training, and I was fortunate and played with him at club level for a, a long time as well, he was literally unplayable sometimes. And again, another player who probably didn't quite get the opportunity to show it on the, as much on the international stage. I'd say they're good at, good at Manchester City, are they? It's been a, been a tough week for them, in a way. You know, I know they won the Premier League, but a, but a disappointing result last week. Yeah, it wasn't a great performance in the final. Um, obviously, that was the, the aim, I presume, at the start of the season, was to win the Champions League. And they've done great to, to stay involved in all the tournaments right up to the to the end. But it wasn't to be. But they, they're still a very strong squad. And I'm sure they'll add to it and be back stronger again for the, another crack next season. Were you surprised you didn't play a, a holding midfielder? I was surprised because... I'd seen it in previous seasons where they changed the team to suit the opposition that they were playing and it didn't work out for them. And when they beat Dortmund and they beat PSG, they played the way they played in the Premier League all season. They played that 4-3-3 where a hold the midfielder and, and retained possession and and just looked an unbelievable team. And then he changed it again for the final. So it was it was quite a surprise. He obviously had his ideas and thoughts on, on how it would work out. But I think from a fan's point of view, you would have just loved to see that consistency in, in the in the selection of the team to go and go and play and go and play what you know and what you have been doing over the previous ten months. Tuchel won the night, didn't he, uh, David? No, oh, he did. Look, he was even in the league in the FA Cup semi final. Um, he kind of he marked his cards. He went out. I know they made changes going into those games because they were fresh off the Champions League, you know, quarter final, semi final. But he just he just got it right. You know, they obviously soaked up some pressure, were able to sustain, the, you know, the possession that Man City were obviously going to keep. And when they, when the counter-attack got the goal from Havertz, it was just a beautiful pass from Mount. He gets in. They never really looked like conceding, did they? Um, they were very solid. They obviously had a great game plan. Um, it's just amazing their turnaround from when, you know, Lampard left, Tuchel came in. You know, in the, in the journey they've been on to finish in the top four. Obviously, they were beaten by Leicester in the FA Cup. But, you know, to win the Champions League, it's been, you know, an incredible six months for him. 
Uh, Richard, you might uh, be a good one to answer this one. Uh, 53106. Hi, John. Could you ask the lads what Glenn Whelan was like to play with? Feel like he was underappreciated by fans, but for the amount of caps he won under different managers, he must have been doing something right. Glenn was great. Um, very, very good footballer and very consistent in what he did. I know people wanted him to do... Well, certainly you hear fans who talk and say they wanted him to do more and stuff, but what he did in front of... Certainly, the back the back four was was outstanding. He was someone that was always available to receive the ball. He was always trying to link play up between the the back line and and probably the midfielders forward up the field. And there's loads of players who play in that position who who are unsung heroes and people don't see the best of them, but they're so much appreciated within within the team itself. How are we feeling then about the Euros? Are we excited? Um, Let's start off with England, David. Uh, Do you think England are potential winners or would you have uh, concerns about some of their positions? Um, Potential winners, I don't know. Um, They've got a lot, you know, in their squad. They've got vast amounts of talent. Um, I think the biggest challenge Southgate, you know, has is how do I get all these players playing at, you know, the best of their abilities? Um, You know, there's so many different options. Even in the front line, does he play Sancho? Does he play Foden? Does he play Rashford? You know, there's so many Grealish. There's so many of them. Um, it's it's they have all the you know the tools and the capabilities of going you know all the way in the tournament. It's just whether or not Southgate can get them you know playing at that level. Um, obviously they're off, they're fresh off the back of a good World Cup in terms of getting to a semi final. Um, you know, I think they'll be expecting again to get to the semi final this, but. It's not as easy as that, you know. These there's a lot of other good nations. Um, I think a, a big a big test for them would be their opening game, where they get on there and kind of set the tone for them going forward. There's more expectation around England now, isn't there? The honeymoon is over for Gareth Southgate in a way, Richard, because of the talent in this team, especially going forward, or something else. Yeah, they they're really pleasing on the eye when you watch England. They've been they play really good football. They're quick. They they get forward well and. They've got, like David says, they've got that individual talent to go and beat players and, and win games. And they've got probably three or four match winners within their squad. So they're, they're, they're a very good side to watch. But I think what happens with England is they've not played anyone over the last while. And any time they come up against a strong side, they seem to struggle. I think defensively, they're not great. And they just don't, to me... They're good, but they're they're not a team, I don't think, that is will win the Euros. I think they've... They've got. They'll, they'll play well. They'll be tough to beat, and uh, I just think I just don't see them when they play against stronger sides. I've not seen them play against them enough and, and threaten them and, and work them hard. So I just think they're missing that big game experience. And the centre halves are they solid for you, Richard? Um, I, I, if England have a weakness, I think it's defensively. I think that's where they they, they will struggle. I think they're sometimes too focused on playing the ball out rather than that first thought of defend and then when we have the opportunity then we can pass it out so I think the bigger sides will try and exploit that through the middle France uh, the world champions I think they look even better than, than ever they've got Benzema back now uh, Davis to me they're they're, they're they're the team to beat would you agree? No definitely um, obviously coming into this we were kind of you know, the lads had said like we'll be talking about the Euros and who do I think would win and I think the the kind of story of Benzema coming back, um, obviously, you know, Deschamps is looking to try and win this. Um, so, you know, him coming back, it's just, as well as Giroud has done, he's been brilliant. You know, Benzema is a better player, there's no doubt in that. And, you know, him coming back into that plane, you know, Griezmann off the right and Mbappe off the left, 
We know their midfield, their defenders, everyone. They just feel they're the team to beat. Um, they've got everything going in their way and I wouldn't be surprised if France won and Benzema ended up top goal scorer. And for you, uh, defensively, they've got three of the four that played in the World Cup, uh, Richard, in 2018. Uh, Kim might come in. Um, you've Ungolo Conte, what can you say, after last week and the last few weeks of the season. To me, they're 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 nearly bomb-proof. Yeah, and certainly you mentioned Kante there. He's he's unbelievable. He makes such a big difference to to any team that he plays in. I think when you you look at the French squad, and you can pick two fairly strong sides to play. Yeah, with that you know, and they they just look like they've got a little bit of everything. I think the the adding of Benzema it just gives them that little bit more mobility again up front and. I think with Giroud, you have a, almost a static centre-forward who can finish and finishes really well. But with the movement of Benzema added to Mbappe and Griezmann, I think they're, they're a real threat. And I can't see past them in terms of winning it. In terms of Scotland, um, they've got good players like Andy Robertson, Kieran Tierney in there. They haven't been in the tournament for a long time. David, can they get out of the group? I suppose that's the, the, the first intention, isn't it? No, of course. Um, do you know what? I, I want Scotland to do well. Um, it's obviously I've oh, been 23 years since they were in a major tournament going all the way back to France 98 but it's good to see you know um, they've got some lads obviously playing in England a few up at Celtic and whatnot. so you'll you'll see quite a lot of them playing regularly it just seems to be a good vibe coming out of Scotland it's almost like a, a kind of a club club feel that you know the lads all get on really well um, you obviously seen the, the result they had against Holland the other night in a warm up game you know things are just moving right for them so it's good to see and Obviously, it's going to be difficult. Um, their group isn't exactly easy, but at the same time, you know they they've nothing to lose. Obviously, qualifying for this, you've seen the emotions after they won the playoffs. You know, it's it's, it's great, and I, you know I really do hope they do well, and I hope they beat England. <laughs> yeah, maybe you're not the only one in the country who feels that way. Uh, five three one zero six. Uh, my son and I were to fly to London from Knock and get the tunnel to Paris for the Sweden game. This is in Euro 2016. The flight was cancelled, so we ended up driving from Galway, getting a 2am ferry to Hollyhead, train to London, tunnel to Paris, searched for the ticket office at the stadium, sat in our seats 30 seconds after kickoff in the middle of the Swedish section. I was 37 hours on the go before I got to sleep that night. Worth it all. Richard, that's what it's all about, isn't it? The, the stories of Gdansk and Poznan and, and, and also then in, in France that supporters will carry with them probably in through many uh, pints and um, bar conversations for the rest of their lives. Yeah, that's it. That's It's the journey what makes it, you know, the going to the games, you, you watch games every day or you go to the stadium all the time to watch games, but it's, it's the journey and the experiences that people make from these tournaments. And I think, I mean, this one's all over the place this year, but I prefer it when it's in one place and, and they can gather and they can mix with the other fans and stuff like that. So it's a shame that, that obviously for, for the reasons that it won't be happening this year as much. and But in terms of what you remember from World Cups and stuff like that, it's definitely the journey in getting that. Will you go now, Richard, uh, as, a, as a retired player to, to future tournaments, do you think? If they qualify, I will, yeah. It's, yeah. Um, it's something that I'm looking forward to. It's it's Like David said, it's, it, when you're involved in it and you're part of it, you are a little bit sort of envious of what's going on outside and you want to sample what the fans are sampling so if we get the opportunity to do it hopefully soon it'll definitely be be on the flight trying to travel around wherever they go you might be in germany yet or uh, the united states eh? but hopefully if we qualify no definitely um the next major tournament in ireland come from i'm going hell for leather taking all three games in and you know jumping a 
camper van, wherever we're going, I'm I'm all for it. Richie, if you want to lift, more than welcome. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Done on Myler on tour. Driver. <laughs> we, we we can see we can see a documentary out of this already, lads. If you like to add the Grand Tour uh, with Ireland uh, uh, for the for the next tournament. Um, what about some a team like Belgium then, uh, uh, Richard? Like De Bruyne, Lukaku's banging in the goals initially. Um, came close to the World Cup. Would you consider them winners of the Euros this year? I have a feeling that Belgium have sort of missed the boat in terms of winning a tournament. I think they had a, an opportunity maybe four years ago when they were, I think they were stronger and better than what they are now. I think Eden Hazard has lost a lot of form and, and is a big, big loss for them. Um, De Bruyne is obviously coming in with an injury, so that's going to be difficult for him. But I just feel that France have, have passed them by and France are way ahead of them at the moment. And as they've got decent individuals, I just don't see them as as as, a, as good as they were previously and don't think they have a chance. Uh, for Portugal, I think they might have a better chance than Belgium, David, uh, when you consider looking at the squad, uh, the, the quality that they have, not only Cristiano Ronaldo, but Bruno Fernandes, Diogo Jota, we all know them from the Premier League, Shao Felix up front, and the player of the year in the Premier League, Ruben Diaz. No, they do. Um, They've got a nice little thing going on. Of course, look, we're, we're blessed in seeing a lot of them have moved to the Premier League. Bruno, you know, Diaz, of course, Diogo Jota. Um, they've got a lot going for them. And of course, they've got a talisman in Ronaldo. So you can imagine if they do, you know, stay in games, create chances. Cristiano will score goals. He's done it everywhere he's been. He's still doing it now. Um, do they have enough to win? Probably not. But you could see him getting to the latter parts of the tournament, the kind of quarterfinals, semifinals. Then again, when you get to those kind of periods... You know, it's the squeaky bum time where you know teams can get nervous and you know look Ronaldo loves the big occasions and um, if he gets chances in the big games he wants to be you know the man on the front of every paper you know every TV program he wants that so um if he if he does get those chances he'll score goals Ruben Diaz um everybody says and agrees that he's the player of the year in the in the Premier League but Richard, you played for Manchester City you know you've worn the t-shirt literally and you know you were a great center half. What is it specifically about Ruben Diaz that makes him stand out and makes him that that quality player as, as a central defender? Um, I think in previous years, people have sort of taken their eye off the ball in the air to defend him, and they're just got starting to look at well, which which centre half can dribble the furthest and make the best passes. And he's sort of a hybrid; he can do both. He, he's very comfortable on the ball, but in terms of defending, he's outstanding. His positions right all the time, and I think it comes down to the fact that. As the game's gone along, and it's it's been a little bit easier this year to notice it because of the being no fans, so you can hear him. As City move forward, he's behind them, talking, directing people, getting them in position. So he's prepared when when stuff breaks down, or he knows he's going to have to defend. He's already prepared and having that mindset to to focus just on your defending first and foremost is a huge thing. Certainly for a defender who's, I think he's only just turned 24. He's led that whole back line of much more experienced players, but he's been the one that's been, he stood out a mile. Were you much of a talker? You have to be in that position, but it becomes a thing where I've seen it, you coaching kids and coaching, being around dressing rooms and stuff like that. Players are so focused now on themselves and their individual abilities that it's starting to drift over. And if you have a centre-half who can organise and talk, like John Terry was doing at Chelsea, what Diaz is doing now at the moment, it's so important. And it's an art which needs to make sure it stays in the game. 
David, did you appreciate defenders behind you that were talkers? A hundred percent. Inevitably, Richie can tell you firsthand. He spoke about Glenn Whelan a while ago. If Richie's or talking or whoever was playing second half behind me, if they're talking, they make your life easier, which makes their job easier. Um, it's vital. You know, it's a massive part of it. If, if there's a number 10 drifting in between the lines, trying to get in between the two of you, that second half is telling you five yards right, five yards left. Those small you know, things can make a massive difference and you can cut out passes. You can, you know, obviously block passing lanes where the player can't get on the ball. Inevitably, it gives your, you know, your team time to get back into shape and whatever. So I loved whenever a centre-half was constantly shouting at you because that way, you know, you're always switched on. You didn't have a moment not to think, where's my man? Where should I be? Um, it's, it's, it's massive important in the game. They're going to miss Virgil van Dijk, aren't they, the Dutch, when you're looking at their prospects for the Euros? Once again, that leadership, that organisational presence. They've, like, De Ligt and uh, De Vray as well at the moment, uh, Richard, but... Like a player like that is surely you know, almost irreplaceable for a major tournament. Yeah, he's the difference, I think, between Holland possibly having an opportunity to win the tournament or not. I think when you have a, one of the world's best players, you need them going into the tournaments. And it's a huge blow for them that they haven't got him. Obviously, they've, they've known about it for a long time and probably prepared without him. But it's it, it doesn't ease the blow when the tournament actually comes around. I think defensively, they've got good good players, but having that sort of, like you say, a talisman, someone that when the opposition centre forward looks at them, they just fear it and they think, I've not got much chance today. It gives your whole team such a boost. Our panel, thanks to Paddy Power uh, for information on responsible gambling. Visit gamblingcare.ie. If you want to text Richard Dunn or David Myler, you can do so on 53106, looking ahead to the Euros. And the general consensus so far is I think that France are are everybody's pick. Uh, But Germany, David, maybe they're just a little bit beyond uh, their best. Um, Havertz and Werner, we saw play so well for Chelsea, but is it just a tournament too far for Germany in your view? You never know with the Germans, do you? Um, obviously, Muller's come back into the scene. Obviously, you know, Jürgen Lowe made some changes a few years ago and kind of tried to go with this new and upcoming. You spoke there, Havertz, Julian Brand, all those boys, Nabry kind of came through and it didn't exactly work for them. So he's gone, he's gone back to bring in the older experience once to probably help the younger lads out and kind of carry some of the, the weight. But it's still Germany. Um, you know, they're a proven nation year in, you know, year out. They, they turn up for tournaments and they can cause problems. You'd still expect them to go far. Um, obviously, they had a dis- disappointing last tournament. So I'm expecting them to do better. Obviously, it's his, it's his last tournament before Hansi Flick comes in. So... It'd be important, you know, for those players to kind of, you know, finish on a high for him. And for Spain, Ferran Torres um, has been banging in the goals for his national team. Didn't really feature significantly for Manchester City, but a player for the future, and and he might feature well for for Spain in this tournament once again. Do you see them as a transitional side, uh, Richard, or do you see them as contenders? I think, like you said, I think they're a transitional side. I think they've had. Um, few ups and downs over the last couple of years and they're not at the same level as they have been in previous tournaments. They obviously had that great result recently when they beat Germany 6-0 but I think they're a side <clears throat> probably lacking that big game experience as well. A team that's starting to be put together but not quite the finished article and obviously they've got a lot of younger players coming through as well so this is a, a, a tournament for them to, to learn from I think and to be stronger when the World Cup comes around. 
for Denmark. Um, I think they're possibly better now. They've got Christensen now in there in defence. Um, I suppose, David, you'd be glad not to see Denmark in a, in a, in a way. Uh, <laughs> every time we see Denmark play, they're usually against us. But do you see them as dark horses? I don't even like talking about Denmark um, <laughs> after that hiding. But they've got some very good players. Um, obviously, Christian Eriksen's a massive part of them. Look, you'd expect them to do all right. They are a tricky nation to play against. They have some very good players, certainly like Thomas Delaney's another one in midfield, very good player. Um, you'd expect them to, you know, cause, you know, some of the bigger nations some problems. They're well organized. They've good players. Um, they're very organized, like I said. So are they going to win it? I don't think it'll be like 92. Um, they don't have those players, but it'll certainly cause an upset along the way. And for Wales, Richard, uh, is it all about Bale? And uh, is Bale the Bale that he was three or four years ago? That's probably open to debate. Yeah, I think we all know that he's probably not the same player that he was previously. But I think for Wales and similar for Scotland, they have to go off almost a... The momentum off an atmosphere that they create within their groups to make themselves feel that they're unbeatable and they're 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 going out on that pitch with, with sixteen players instead of eleven and they're they're all in it together. And I think if they can get that sort of tight knit feeling within the group and everyone's pulling in the same direction and playing off adrenaline almost, I think they can they can cause some trouble. I think if they sit back and rely on quality, I think the teams around them will be will be better than them and stronger. Do you feel more nerves? Do you feel more adrenaline when the, the, at the greater stakes, uh, Richard? Or do you play so many matches uh, in your football career that it, it just assimilates from one into the other? Yeah, all, all sorts of stuff like that. Fear and um, adrenaline and focus and stuff. It's all right up to the final minute. It's just right up until kickoff. And then once kickoff happens, it's just a normal game again. You just play the game as it is and all the thoughts and, and whatever you've been going through throughout the week and the build-up just disappear and it's it's almost instinct kicks back in and you you, you remember what you've been doing for the last 20 years and, and try and focus on that rather than focus on the occasions. Because when I'm thinking of Richard Dunn, I'm thinking of David Mahler, I'm thinking of probably the two best games we played against in the last... 30 years in at Lansdowne Road the Holland game and the Germany game the Holland game in, in 01 was it as you just said once it started you're just in the zone yeah and it's it's it's, it's sometimes you can't explain it because it's, things just go your way or the opposition plays into your hands or whatever like that and you get onto onto this rhythm of a game where it's all going well for you and stuff like that and even losing a player being 10 against a very, very good 11, you still have that sort of understanding, right? Well, my job is still the same. I still have to do the same things. And obviously coming out with a victory at the end of that is is an incredible feeling after the work that you put into it. Who are you marking? There's so many strikers at the end of the the match. I I can't count. I lost count. Yeah, there's millions. They They had every Dutch striker from... 2000 was was playing in that match it seems to be I think uh, people have said well was it's Hasselbank from Hoydunk um, Kluivert Overmars there was loads of them and I think when you have that many on the pitch you, you just try and kick the ball away you don't worry about a defender or a striker you just worry about clearing it and hope that it doesn't fall to one of them players because generally they'll put it in the back of the net 
In the minutes before the final whistle goes, do you know, are you looking at the clock? Are you asking people how much is left? What's going through your head in the last few moments when you know you're leading? Yeah, you just... If the ball goes out of play and and there's a minute left or something when you're hanging on for a result, you know you're close and you just want to wish that whistle to blow. You you feel like, certainly when it's games like that and you've you've done well, you've played really well and it'll be a shame if you concede and we deserve a victory. So you just want the whistle to go and you're just hoping that as soon as you... It's almost like the fans realise before... The players do because the fans are watching the referee and as soon as that whistle goes to his mouth you can just hear the roar and then it's just a release of relief for for the players on the pitch that atmosphere was just i, I don't know it's almost indescribable yeah. it was so great yeah it's 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 one of those occasions which is very difficult to recreate there's there's loads of great atmospheres in games but there's only one or two which are really really special moments and that was that was an incredible moment I think for for everyone in the stadium and certainly for the ones that were on the pitch now you might not have been able to celebrate in Euro 2012 did you celebrate that night after after the Dutch Holland yeah yeah, probably celebrated for a couple of nights after that one. <laughs> it was a it was a huge a huge result and a huge um moment I suppose in, in all our careers to, to get to, to to a qualifier for a World Cup and yeah it was certainly something worth celebrating and enjoying uh, The Germany game David was similar emotions? No oh, 100% um, obviously that Germany team was after winning the World Cup um, they were unbelievable but just staying in the game you know you get to the dying minutes and you're one a lot you just you don't even have time, JD, to you know ask the referee or look at a clock. You're, you know, certainly for me as a whole midfielder, or even for Richie's enough, you're screaming at the midfielders, you're screaming at the forwards to get back, you're pulling people here, there, and everywhere. You're just desperate to clear the ball. You're desperate not to be the one to make a mistake. You don't want your teammate to make a mistake because you you know you're at the moment of you know doing something that's incredible. Um, and that was like that night. You know, Lange obviously scored. It was massive for us in the group after losing to Scotland. Um, it was just a huge occasion, and you know we we ran our luck. I think we had eighteen percent possession. You know, I think they hit. I think it was Thomas Muller hit the bar or something. It was just unbelievable. And then when the final whistle goes, you know, you just you can't even celebrate. You just the relief comes out. You think, and we finally, you know, we've we've gotten over the line here. It's 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 moments like those and occasions and the atmosphere you can. You can hear the fans like you know cheering you on, kind of like "Come on, like we're nearly there." Those are the ones you remember. Are you just knackered as well, in a way? Oh, hundred percent. Yeah, it's it's is the physical part of it, but it's a lot of it's the mental part too of like being switched on. Whether it could be you know shifting three yards right, shifting three yards backwards or forwards, just to you know close someone down. You you just have to be so switched on. You have to be at one hundred percent thinking of. Well, if if one of my ma- or one of my you know teammates loses a player, can, do I shift across? But if I shift across, somebody from the opposite side has to come in, and you're screaming. And there's a there's a great image of me is you know Germany are attacking and the ball falls, and I like grip hold of the referee to throw him out of the way because you know Germany are trying to pick up the second ball, and I kind of manhandle the referee because you know what's on the line, you know what's you know what's at stake. You need to you know, obviously get the ball to stop Germany attacking it's it's those little things that really do matter but it's a lot of it is mental over physical because we're all fit players but it's it's being switched on for the full 93 94 95 minutes whatever it may be 
And was it like Richard Dunn was it two days for you celebrating while it started the Germany game, David? I, I, do you know what I'm trying? As as you asked Richie, I'm trying to think, but we definitely definitely went out that night anyway. Um, I'm not sure if it was two or three days. Uh, just on the Euros, um, maybe the player of the tournament, Paul Pogba, might be one of the contenders. Uh, Seamus has been in touch in 53106. Would you ask uh, David and Richard, do they think this is the big chance for Pogba to prove he is world-class? Do they think he's world-class regardless? Uh, Richard, do you think he's world-class? I think he's a very good footballer. Um, I don't think he's world-class. I don't think he makes enough of an impact in games to to be considered as, as world-class. Uh, he's very fortunate in terms of the French team that he plays with. He's He's got an opportunity to go and win tournaments and and will always be sort of talked about because of his high profile. But if you're looking, uh, probably the best player on France, obviously you go for the glory and you look for Mbappe or, or Benzema, the guys who will score the goals. But for me, I just can't see past Kante. I think he's 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 incredible and he's the difference between a, a, a team that's good and a team that's great. He's so, he's so mobile and just everywhere on the pitch and so humble as it seems to be as well how he does it all are they your prediction for the tournament uh, Richard France yeah 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 definitely I think France will be favourites for the tournament I think probably Benzema will be top scorer and I think Kante will be the player of the tournament the the, the, the trifecta for France uh, any dark horse <laughs> yeah. for you uh, Richard Um, I, I I like Portugal I like their squad that they have at Portugal. I think they've got some really, really good players coming off the back of a really good season for a lot of them. So I think they'll be they'll be a dark horse, but they're in that group. They're in with France and they're in with Germany and I think whoever runners up and that end up playing England. So it's a it's a it's a complicated route for them if whoever if for Portugal if they come out of that group second. Are France your winners, David? Yeah. Um I think like Richie said there, then Kante's the one, isn't he? I wouldn't be surprised if he was player of the tournament and then went on to win the Ballon d'Or. He's had that good of a year. Um, and just obviously bringing Benzema back. I, th- I think th- I think they're, I think they'd be really disappointed if they don't win it. And your player of the tournament? Kante. That's who I think. Uh, my dark horse is, for some strange re- reason, I just have this gut feeling about Italy. Um, I don't know why. Um, not like they've proven or done anything to suggest that they be contenders for it, but I just have a feeling the old Italians will come good. And your top scorer, David? Benzema. So Benzema, France, Conte, pretty much agreement here from Richard Dunn and uh, and David Myler here on the Saturday panel on our European Championship preview. And England, how do we think they'll do? Um. I think they'll do. I, I I think they'll struggle after if they win their group. I think in round two, I think they played our France, Portugal, or Germany, and I think that's a a big ask for them. I don't I don't see them being able to beat a, a side as strong as that. So I think England could go in round two. And England for you, David. Um, I'll say quarterfinals. I think they'll get out of their group fine. I think if they get Germany or Portugal, I think they'll beat them. I think they'll get a bit confident and cocky and they'll be singing football's coming home. And I think they'll get knocked out then. Okay. Well, David Myler, Richard Dunn. Um, I really appreciate the insight over the last hour and for joining us on this Bank Holiday weekend on the Saturday panel. Thanks to Paddy Parrott. Look ahead to the Euros to give your expertise. And uh, we look forward to speaking soon.
Cheers, guys. Cheers. Thank you. Richard Dunn yeah. and uh, David Myler there on the Saturday panel. Thanks to Paddy Parr. And we're going to be joined after the break by Vera Pa, the Republic of Ireland women's team manager. And then more football chat between three and five with uh, Dan McDonnell and Shane Keegan. Looking back on the Republic of Ireland's win over Andorra, previewing the match against Hungary on Tuesday where Stephen Kenny looking for a second win in a row. We'll also keep you right up to date with all the scores as well from around the country and get games and all the other sports news. So don't go away. This is Off the Ball Saturday on News Talk. We're back after this. The OTB Podcast Network with Get Set Go. Quick start car insurance that's ready when you are. Sort your policy anytime online at getsetgo.ie. Paddy Power. As much a part of Irish football as spending a nine-month loan spell at Preston North End. 